You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported. Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting remotely for WFHB, this is Cade Young. And I'm Todd Wicks. This is the WFHB Local News for Tuesday, February 1st, 2022. Later in the program, we have the latest edition of A Few Minutes with the Mayor, a bi-weekly segment where we pose questions to Bloomington Mayor John Hamilton on community issues. More in the bottom half of tonight's program. Also coming up in the next half hour, we spoke with Executive Director of Visit Bloomington, Mike McAfee, about the upcoming Bloomington Music Expo, which happens this weekend. But first, your local headlines. On January 22nd, the League of Women Voters held a legislative update where Senators Shelley Yoder and Matt Pierce shared the work that they have been doing for this legislative session and answered questions from Monroe County and Brown County residents. Senator Matt Pierce gave a summary of how the legislative session has gone so far. Okay, well, it's been uh, an interesting session so far. It got off to a really fast start. And the thing, at least on the House side, is there's a lot of kind of buzz or scuttlebutt or whatever you might call it about the fact that there are a lot of primary opponents on the Republican side being recruited against incumbents. So I think that the House has a lot of focus on the May primary coming up. And I think you see that reflected in the agenda or at least the bills that are getting the the most attention. And so uh, if you look at the, the first couple of weeks so far in the House, We've had a bill that essentially pushes back on vaccine mandates and pushes to end the governor's emergency orders related to COVID. Uh, There's been a wing of the Republican base that obviously has been very angry about those emergency orders and and vaccines in general. So it seems that the House Republicans want to be able to point to something they did to address um, those issues. We've got bills floating around about so-called critical race theory or what gets taught in the uh, in our schools. And the Senate gave up on their bill after one of their members suggested that when you discuss Nazism, you should equally discuss both sides, which obviously is just crazy. And uh, so the Senate kind of just killed that, I think, to try to tamper the kind of uproar over that. But there's a House version that is still kind of working its way through the the systems that obviously uh, points to another issue that the Republican base voters have um, been upset about. And I think also the fact that the Republican candidate for governor of Virginia was successful pushing that issue kind of gives them a sense that that's good politics. Uh, The so-called constitutional carry bill, which would eliminate any gun permitting or background requirements in order to carry a concealed weapon, um, that's moving along. So that's another area that appeals to the Second Amendment purists that uh, are a big part of the Republican base. Um, The partisan school board bill, there was a bill, there is a bill that would require people to declare their parties when running for school board. And uh, it looks like the House has given up on that bill. It was heard in elections committee, 
Not a single person actually testified in favor of it. And then it, it, it was held. And I anticipated there would be a, a, perhaps some amendments in a vote in the next week, but it's just kind of disappeared. So I think that maybe uh, the House Republicans have thought better of that bill based on the, the pushback. So that, that may well be dead, but you know, nothing's ever really dead until the legislature adjourns. He also said that he has seen an attitude shift in the General Assembly where, quote, it seems to be all about rights and no responsibilities, unquote. So everyone is quick to quote the Constitution and all the rights they're given, but no one seems to want to admit that you have some responsibilities in a democratic society, that if you're going to have a functioning democratic society, we have to take on some responsibilities too, and we have to think about the impact of our individual actions on greater society. And uh, you just, you don't see that. There's a real antipathy to that. Senator Shelley Yoder gave a rundown on the bills she has been paying attention to, thanks to the survey her district members filled out. I really say thank you to those who filled out the pre-session survey. And I wanted to give some feedback on some of the numbers on those surveys that we received and then legislation that I filed on your behalf. The numbers we got back, so 80% of those of you living in the district uh, responded favorably to addressing, of course, climate change, the climate crisis, and some environmental protections. And so to that end, I filed several bills. One, to make sure that we address net metering and its its, uh, end, or or at least the uh, repealing and restoring of net metering, that is SB 314, and would sure love your help in getting some attention there. I'm, I'm trying to get some attention at the state house, but your lobbying for those bills really does make a difference. Also worked alongside the um, Citizen Action Coalition, as well as the NAACP to put up some parameters and guidelines on establishing community solar facilities throughout Indiana, and that is Senate Bill 312, 313, excuse me. And also working with the some of our food insecurity issues and our farmers markets here, worked directly with um, them to craft some language to move Indiana's certified farmers markets to accept both SNAP and WIC. I also heard back from you loud and clear, uh, Matt talked about this, but childcare, accessibility, affordability, and we know that Hoosier parents are just at their wits end with COVID. And right now, the, the roller coaster ride of, of both childcare, childcare's closing uh, due to COVID and sporadically so, and then how that impacts our parents and having to find childcare or stay home when, when they have needs, whether it's in their jobs, uh, their, no matter where they are, but the, the stress that uh, our, our parents are under right now to find childcare. So I did file a bill uh, to address that, and it was Senate Bill 160. County resident Margaret Clements asked the senators about involuntary annexation and if there are any bills to help protect citizens from it in the future. Yoda responded, saying that she is aware of the amount of work Clements has put in. Margaret, I knew I was going to get this question, so thank you. Um, Yes, it has been a robust, and the thing that's so 
amazing. I just want to speak to the, um, the amount of organizing. And in a weird way, yes, I know that it's been hundreds of hours of, of your time of your life over the last 12 months that I, I don't want to diminish that. I want to say what you had to do to make the system work was really uh, incredible. And the, the, you know, just how democracy works, people were engaged and paying attention and that that's an important thing. So I just want to say, but you'll never get that time back. So I I don't, I want to appreciate that. So Senate bill 73, it is more of an op. It's, it's kind of trying to do the reverse of how our annexation uh, laws are now. And it's making the municipality have to make their case and then people, you'd have to have enough signatures to have an annex, a, a, a section annexed in versus how it is now where amount of signatures to be excluded from the annexation. So we will be hearing that. Uh, I mean, we'll be voting on that in the Senate. Uh, again, that's Senate Bill 73. If people want to look at the language let me hear from you on on your thoughts because I anticipate we'll be voting it out of the Senate this week, and I would love to hear from people. That's Senate Bill seventy three. Pierce added that the city is giving out waivers to developers rather than the future owners of the property, and has made the fairness of the annexation process difficult. I think that uh, where this conflict really arises is when developers are putting together a subdivision, they'll do whatever they need to do to get the city to extend the sewer out to those areas. And, you know, they have the ability as the original landowners to do these waivers that run with the land. And then when people actually buy the property, move in, it's really not made clear to them that, oh, by the way, you're moving into area that is going to get annexed, or at least um, you don't have the right to uh, remonstrate against that if you sign these waivers. And so I think that's really the area that gets people frustrated because when they want to remonstrate, then they're told like, well, somebody, you know, years ago signed away your right that you didn't know about. And people don't see that as actually being fair. And so we had the legislation that essentially put a time limit on those waivers. And as you know, the mayor thinks that uh, is kind of a violation of an existing contract, which our constitution doesn't allow. So that's probably going to end up uh, getting litigated in court. And really, all these annexation laws, it's interesting because there's a big landmark case from South Bend where Granger was kind of fighting with South Bend about how things are going to get annexed and how that would happen. And so they passed a special law that only applied to that area. They had their own set of annexation rules. And the courts ended up saying that you can't do that. That's special legislation. So I think we'll just have to see whether that Senate bill comes over. But the trend is definitely to make it harder to annex. Resident Ann Hayden asked about the bill on solar net metering and what the senators think about the prospect of it being passed. Pierce said that he was not optimistic about individuals benefiting from the bill and that he thinks utility companies will see the most of the profits. I've really been um, pushing as much as I can in the legislature policies that really promote renewable energy and getting us to a zero carbon economy as quickly as possible. And while you can see attitudes kind of adjusting a little bit toward renewable energy, they're really only interested in supporting the utility-grade solar, where the utilities kind of get a piece of the action. They don't seem very excited about people's individual rooftop solar, 
which might make us a little bit more independent of the utility monopoly. And so I think, unfortunately, it's pretty unlikely that we're going to get any legislation to move in this session to deal with uh, a bad ruling at the Utility Commission about how you calculate the extra power that you would be getting um, some payments for. And then you have the legislation, which I bitterly fought and unfortunately it passed, um, that essentially has been stepping down these net metering credits. And so we're going to get to the point very soon where the payback period is not going to be viable on the solar for people who might want to install it. And so something needs to be done. I serve on an energy task force that's supposed to be looking at these issues. And uh, during the, the uh, interim in the fall, I uh, put together a very lengthy uh, addition to the report, an interim report that would have called for action in this session to deal with some very specific things that are going to damage uh, you know, rooftop solar's viability. And uh, you know the, the leaders of those um, the task force uh, were not interested in voting on that. They did allow me to at least put it in the record so people can see that I proposed it, but they wouldn't actually uh, allow it to get a vote. So uh, it's something that needs to be done. I think we should be doing all we can to promote um, renewable energy. And uh, it's just unfortunate that we can't get the people in control up there in Indianapolis to actually um, join this effort. Yoder explained that she wasn't as familiar with the solar lit metering bill, but was concerned about the proposed project for nuclear energy in Indiana, as she thinks the nuclear waste produced is difficult to safely store and that there are a number of things that could go wrong. The senators answered more questions from community members that you can listen to by going to the CATS website, where the full meeting is archived. Indiana's legislative session will continue until mid-March. Up next, WFHB News Director Cade Young spoke with Executive Director of Visit Bloomington, Mike McAfee, about the upcoming Bloomington Music Expo happening this weekend. We turn now to Cade Young for more. Mike McAfee, Executive Director of Visit Bloomington, thank you for speaking with me today. Thanks for having me, Cade. Thanks to WFHB, as always. Yeah, well, thank you for being here. The Bloomington Music Expo will take place on Saturday, February 5th, at the Monroe Convention Center. So first off, Mike, would you just walk me through what people can expect from this weekend's event? We like to call it a uh, celebration of all things music in Bloomington, just because, you know, Bloomington is such a, a great music destination, music town, all that kind of starts with Indiana University going back to the Hoagie Carmichael days of Jacobs School of Music being one of the top music schools in the country and, and all that culture and music that it brings to the community really sets the table for the music venues that we have in town and the record stores and, and the amazing 
artists that live here and, and, and make music and make our, you know, kind of make our local music scene so strong. Myself here at Visit Bloomington and, and along with Jar at, at WFHB and, and Jim Mannion when he was there before, about four or five years ago, we're talking and along with Mike Klingy from The Orbit Room and a couple people from Secretly Canadian and a couple people that, that have vinyl in town that go to different vinyl fairs and, and sell that stuff. We, we were just talking. We, we had actually been to a couple of those and seen each other there. We're all big fans of, of vinyl and, and music and collectors and that type of thing. And, and with my job, my job is to bring visitors and tourism to the area of all kinds. I, I was always like, wow, we, we could do that here. There's nothing like that going on here in Bloomington. And we could actually do it in a, a better way than, than a lot of these other places are doing. And they're, and they're cool events. Again, if you're, if you're strictly after vinyl, like just this past Sunday, there was one up in Indianapolis, but, but they're usually in a small room in a hotel that you can go in and they might have 10 or 15 vinyl vendors set up and you go in and buy your vinyl and that's it. And I thought, well, I want to do this and bring 25 vinyl vendors and, and also give an opportunity to WFHB and, and the Grand Falloon Music Festival and, and Lotus and the Buster Chumley Theater and all these other great things that we have in Bloomington that promote Bloomington as a music destination as well as the vinyl vendors. I want to do that in our convention center and then bring in live music, have have live music that you know that's got a connection to Bloomington in some way, and just make it an all day long event that's fun and, and open to the public. So that's what we do. We really actually starting on Friday night, Friday February fourth. There's going to be a DJ at the Orbit Room, actually, who's one of the vinyl vendors that'll be there on Saturday. He's coming up from the Louisville area, and he's going to be spinning records at the Orbit Room on Friday night. But then on Saturday morning, starting at nine o'clock. The convention center opens, and from 9 to noon, there'll be DJs spinning music, which again will be Jar and a couple other people, a couple other DJs from WFHB will be there spinning records. But all the vinyl vendors will be in there open and selling their records. There'll be places like Bad Knees Tees will be there selling merchandise. There'll be several other vendors, um, you know, like rock posters or t-shirts and different things like that. Just all kinds of art, artwork, and just different types of music merchandise that you can buy, really headlined by the vinyl and the CDs and the tapes and everything that you can buy. So that goes on from basically 9 a.m. and it lasts all the way until 4 p.m. on really in one end of the convention center. But on the other end of the convention center, starting at noon, we've got four bands. You know, the, the live DJs will stop spinning then. And then we've got four bands that are playing, starting with Kid Kazooie and the Ballroom Rastabouts, which is a family-oriented band. They play all kinds of music, but you know, Kid Kazooie's a longtime Bloomington musician and be, you know, very popular, has a great following. So there'll be a bunch of people that come out to see him, and he'll play a 45-minute set with his band. And then at one o'clock, we've got Craig Brenner and he runs the Bloomington Boogie Woogie Music Festival. He's going to play a set. I mean, he's one of the best boogie woogie piano players in the world. He's got an international following, travels all over the world and plays boogie woogie music. And again, he runs that festival here. Actually, the, the boogies will have a table there as well, promoting their festival coming up this summer. He'll play a 45-minute set of, of piano boogie-woogie tunes. And then at 2 o'clock, Rodeola, um, a great indie rock band here in Bloomington, led by Kate Long, who has been a long-time wonderful musician here in Bloomington. It's her band, Rodeola, is going to play a set. 
And then at three o'clock, Jason Wilbur, our headliner, who grew up here in Bloomington, learned how to play music here in Bloomington, was sneaking into the Bluebird and other places with, when he was a kid to jam with with different people on stage as he was coming up. And obviously, Jason went on to be John Prine, the guitarist, and toured with him for over 20 years all over the world and played in every prestigious venue from the Grand Ole Opry to Austin City Limits and just an incredible, you know, I call him a genius songwriter and guitar player, is going to be our headliner, and that'll last until about 4 o'clock, and that'll be the end of it. So everyone's invited, um, as long as you are vaccinated or can can show you've had a, you've received a negative COVID test in the last 48 hours, and you got to wear a mask. That's all ages, no matter who you are, you've got you've to be able to do that. Otherwise, you know, we really ask you to respect everybody else and, and not come. So we want to keep it a, a, a real safe environment. And it's a little bit smaller this year as far as number of vendors and booths because we just, again, wanted to keep things spread out and, and due to COVID and just really be good about following all the, the, the COVID protocols. But it's free. There, it's, it's free to get in this year and should be a good time. This will be the third one. We did it in 2019 and 2020. We didn't do one last year in 2021, obviously due to the pandemic, but we really wanted to, to do it this year. In fact, I kind of taken it as a challenge that I wanted to do it and, and, and produce a safe event. And I'm feeling really good about that and confident, but we really do expect several hundred people, probably up to a thousand people to come through the, come through the event over the course of the day on Saturday. And, and it just should be a really fun great event for for people of all ages and i know you know if you're a big if you're a big music collector or a big fan of music you're going to walk out of there with a ton of music that is really affordable music that you've probably been looking for and have a hard time finding it it'll be there on saturday i see i see you touched on a lot of, of stuff i had here so thank you for that you checked off some boxes but you were talking about bloomington's rich music scene Right. And you you mentioned a, a list of local artists that are performing. So would you just touch on how this music expo fits into the music scene here in Bloomington? We want to promote the fact that you can come here. What, no matter what you're interested in here, music wise, you can, come, you can come here because of the university and the Jacob School. You can see live performances yeah. year round at the university, whether you know part of the part of the Jacob School or whatever it might be as well as lots of people come in here and go to shows at the Busker Chumley Theater, the IU Auditorium. They'll both have booths at the event. You know, people come here for the Bluebird all the time. And I mean, there's a great show with the Bluebird on Saturday night. The record stores, we've got three record stores in, in landlocked tracks and TDs and, and just a great selection of that. So just a, you know, something to offer here for, for any kind of music fan. And, and, and obviously with Secretly Canadian and, you know, other, a bunch of other smaller labels and, Russian recording. There's so many bands that come through here and make records and things like that. We're just a just an incredible music destination, music town with a with a rich history of, of a music scene that just makes perfect sense to, to have an event like this. And my goal eventually is to expand this event from from a Saturday to starting it on a Thursday or Friday and have some sort of music conference where musicians can come in and, and attend a conference or, or whoever it might be, not really sure what the theme of that might be, but that's ultimately my goal is to grow it into something like that. And again, just just celebrate and, and share with more of the world why we're such a great music town. Right. Thank you for, for touching on that. And earlier, you know, you were talking about uh, your list of performers. 
One I found interesting was Tim Carroll, the former member of the Gizmos, a seminal punk rock band from Bloomington, will perform at an after party at the Orbit Room. So would you talk about that performance and what that will bring to the Music Expo? Shout out to to the Orbit Room. They, Mike Clingy, their owner, has been from day one, has been part of the Expo as far as helping me put it on along with JAR and people from WFHB and Landlocked and Secretly and, and, and downtown Bloomington, that type of stuff. So, so, and Mike is, Mike has just been, you know, Hey, you know, I'd love to do anything to supplement the event or anything we can do here. So of course you need, like he said, he's got a DJ plan there on Friday night. And then Saturday night we're doing, um, it's another free show with, with Tim Carroll at the, at the orbit room. And, and so it's just a continue, you know, we're going to end at the convention center around four o'clock and then coming back at six o'clock, he, they're hosting, um, Tim Carroll's playing a free show there at, at the orbit room. So it's just kind of a continue on for, for people who might be sticking around or, or out or out that evening and just to be able to offer a little bit more continual programming. Now, I just wanted to ask you maybe more of a personal question. What is your favorite part of the Bloomington Music Expo? <laughs> well, um, I'll tell you, I can't really pick between the live, the live music lineup because everybody that's playing there is going to be fantastic. And, and if, you, if people have not seen them, they're going to just blow you away but i'm like i said i'm a i'm a big vinyl collector so i'm gonna my heart's gonna be not only is my heart gonna be full from seeing those great musicians play i'm also gonna leave the room with about 25 records in my hand that i probably paid anywhere from two dollars to ten dollars a piece for you know i just know I'll, over the course of the day i'll talk to my vendors and pick through their stuff as, and and buy some stuff from them and, and that part so i would say Again, the live music and, and just being able to pick rare vinyl and, and things that I really love are my favorite things about it. And, and, and just the fact that so many people in the music community and here come together and, and help us put it on and support it. I see. Well, Mike, this has been a joy. I want to give you the last word here, though. Is there anything else you would like to add before we part ways? If you want to know more information about it, it's BloomingtonMusicExpo.com. Starts at 9 a.m. It's free to everyone. Just again, make sure you're you, you look at our COVID policies, and and we're really asking everybody to 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 support those and help us with that when they come down. And we just wanted to make it a, a fun, safe event for everybody. And and just come on down and enjoy Bloomington's music scene and support what we're doing. Everybody's invited. Well, Mike McAfee, Executive Director of Visit Bloomington, thank you for coming on to the WFHB Local News. All right, we'll see you on Saturday. Support for the WFHB Local News is brought to you by MPI Solar, a Bloomington business specializing in solar hot water, solar electricity, and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. More information online at mpisolar.com. You've been listening to the WFHB Local News. Today's headlines were written by Noel Herhusky Schneider in partnership with CATS, Community Access Television Services. Our theme music is provided by Mark Bingham and the Social Climbers. 
Engineer and executive producer is Cade Young. For WFHB, I'm Todd Wicks. And I'm Cade Young. Thanks for supporting Indiana's only volunteer-powered, listener-supported, independent daily news program. You can hear tonight's full broadcast online at wfhb.org. The WFHB Local News is also available as a podcast. Just search our call letters, WFHB, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Subscribe to never miss another local news program. Stay tuned for Planetary Radio, a program that explores our solar system and beyond. Coming up next on WFHB Community Radio. Listening to the WFHB Local News on WFHB Community Radio. Our news is written and reported by volunteers working to provide local news, cover local issues, and strengthen our local community. We invite you to participate. You may submit questions, comments, and story ideas to news at WFHB.org. You can become a WFHB Local News Volunteer by attending new volunteer orientation. Feel free to check out the WFHB Local News Archive at WFHB.org to find newscasts, individual stories, and catch a live feed of the WFHB Local News. We are local, longer, 